Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode of They Walk Among America. After deciding to be closer to their family, a retired couple vanishes into thin air. Investigators immediately suspect that the person who purchased their yacht a former child actor and Marine, knew more than they were willing to share. But the buyer had the documentation to back up their story, and the detectives had a hard time proving that there was any foul play. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Nina Instead, and welcome to Episode 88 of They Walk Among America, a joint production between the Law & Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. Fifty-seven-year-old Thomas Hawks and his 47-year-old wife, Jackie, were in the prime of their life in 2004. Tom was a retired probation officer and a fitness fanatic. He never missed a workout, even while at sea. He had two sons from his first marriage, named Ryan and Matt. Tom's sons weren't yet teenagers when he met Jackie in Arizona in 1986. Jackie had been widowed a year prior when the motorcycle she had been riding with her husband was hit by another vehicle. The Ohio native was left with significant injuries and could not have children of her own as a result. She was still recovering and in a wheelchair when introduced to Tom Hawks. Jackie and Tom fell in love almost instantly, and they got married in their backyard three years later. Tom's sons adored her, and they saw her as a second mother. They even called her mom. The family spent much time on the water on Tom's powerboat, but they had plans to purchase something bigger. 
In October of 2000, their years of hard work and smart investments paid off when they were able to buy a 55-foot yacht with an upper and lower deck, two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a full kitchen. Tom retired the following year, and the couple sold their house in Arizona and moved onto the yacht aptly named The Well-Deserved. They spent a lot of money and time refurbishing the yacht and restoring it to pristine condition while it was moored in Long Beach, California. They were incredibly in sync and enjoyed spending as much time together as possible, preparing the well-deserved for a long journey along the Gulf of California and further into the Pacific Ocean. Their friend Trisha Schultz later told the LA Times, Tom would walk on water for her. I've never experienced a couple that much in love, that compatible working together. Tom and Jackie ensured they made the yacht as safe and durable as possible. They installed a GPS system and a desalination machine that could turn salt water into drinking water. Two years after buying their yacht, the couple set sail on the trip of a lifetime along the coast and into the Sea of Cortez. Got the boat all cleaned up, and I think I'm going to take a shower after I work out and shave my beard. Not a bad beard for 15 days, huh? Ah, so waiting to see her. This is Captain Tom Hawks and well-deserved. Tom and Jackie spent months traveling along the Mexican coast and experiencing new things together. Tom told Latitudes and Attitudes magazine in late 2003, The sea was calling us, and we couldn't wait any longer. Life is just too short to put things off, and one cannot discover new oceans unless they have the courage to lose sight of the shore. When their son Matt and his wife Nicole had their first child, Tom and Jackie's priorities shifted. Family had always been the most important thing to them, and being present grandparents was a journey they wouldn't miss for the world. They decided to sell the well-deserved and move to San Carlos, where they would be closer to their beloved grandson. Jackie, hello. Hi, honey. I'm so glad to be home. She's home. Say hi, Grandma. Say hi, Grandma. You gonna smile? Huh? You gonna smile? You're such a dove. Yes, you are. You're just a tiny little boy. Yeah. Tom listed the yacht in a few boating magazines, and within a week, they were contacted by a potential buyer. Before agreeing to the sale, Tom, Jackie, and some of their closest friends and family went on a final two-day trip to Catalina Island on November 11, 2004. Jim, Donnie, Brian, and Vicki, this is our last trip to the island because uh, we sold the boat. And we're all having a really good time. Now she's filming us. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jackie. I'm so glad you could join us on our last voyage on Well Deserved. Tom and Jackie told Tom's brother Jim about the couple, who they believed were about to close the deal. One of the buyers was a former child actor who had been in the Power Rangers. 
along with his heavily pregnant wife. Tom and Jackie had met the couple and their little girl a few days earlier, and they had scheduled a sea trial for November 15, 2004. That evening, Jackie left a voicemail for their friend and yacht club port captain, Carter Ford. She said, Hi, Carter. We're still at sea. I don't know anything. Talk with you later. Bye. Tom and Jackie had been in almost daily contact with their family in the lead-up to the date of the planned sale. They had also kept their close friend Trisha in the loop, as she was the one who maintained their affairs in Arizona while they were out at sea. But days passed, and by Thanksgiving, no one had heard from Tom or Jackie. No emails filled with updates arrived, and Jackie missed her weekly call with her mom in Ohio. Tom's brother, a former police chief, Jim Hawks, went to Newport Beach to look for the couple. Their 1998 Honda CRV Jeep was nowhere to be seen in the parking lot. Jim met up with Carter Ford, and together they made their way out to where the well-deserved was moored near 12th Street. Jim and Carter boarded the boat and immediately noticed it looked far messier than usual. Tom called himself Captain Hawks, and he ran a tight ship, keeping everything meticulously clean and organized. But there was uncovered equipment on the deck, and the dinghy they used to get to the dock had been left with the motor bobbing in the salt water. The coated lock on the door had been changed so they couldn't get inside, but Jim left his business card on board and asked someone to call him because he was looking for his brother, Tom Hawks. The next day, Jim received a phone call from Jennifer DeLeon, the wife of the man Tom and Jackie had told everyone was buying the well-deserved, Skylar DeLeon. Jennifer told Jim that after buying the yacht, Tom and Jackie had spoken about going to San Carlos, but she hadn't seen or heard from them since. She promised she would call Jim if they got in contact. Skylar and Jennifer DeLeon met online in the fall of 2001. Within a year, they were married and living in a converted garage at Jennifer's parents' house in Long Beach. Skylar DeLeon seemed to have a lot of experience for someone in their early 20s. He spoke about having a role on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV show as a teenager, as well as having a decorated career as a Marine. It was no surprise that Jennifer, who had lived a sheltered life in an evangelical middle-class family, was so taken by him. Jennifer worked as a hairstylist, and the couple welcomed their firstborn daughter, Haley, less than a year after their wedding. They were expecting their second baby when they met Tom and Jackie Hawks and offered to purchase the well-deserved. The DeLeons seemed like a beautiful family, but that was only on the surface. On November 23, 2004, Jim Hawks reported Tom and Jackie missing. The retired Carlsbad police sheriff had conducted his own investigation into the DeLeons and discovered a number of concerning details. The buyer's real name was not Skylar DeLeon. He had changed his name from John Julius Jacobson after leaving the Marines. Skylar DeLeon was not a Power Ranger 
He was a convicted burglar and had been trying to access the Hawks' bank accounts while claiming that he had power of attorney over their finances. The Hawks' bank had refused to hand over any money to DeLeon after hearing that they were missing. But he had documents signed by the couple appointing him as their power of attorney. Newport Beach Police Detective Sergeant David Byington and Detective Mario Montero were assigned to the case. Detective Montero made his way to Newport Beach and was taken to the well-deserved. There was a large lock on the main door, but a red stain on the deck gave him probable cause to break in. The interior was in a state of disarray, nothing like it had been when Tom and Jackie brought visitors on board. On the floor inside, the detective found a Target receipt from November 17th for the purchase of bleach, trash bags, and Tums. The investigators were able to pull the close-circuit TV footage of the buyer, who was described as a large middle-aged man with a mustache. A few days later, the detectives went to find Skylar DeLeon and his wife, Jennifer. They were located at their local church in Long Beach and separated for questioning. Jennifer told the detective they bought the well-deserved for $265,000. She claimed they had the money from DeLeon's acting career and investments they'd made. Detective Saylor questioned DeLeon, who explained they had bought the yacht for $465,000. When confronted with the discrepancy, Jennifer admitted that she had lied because they were trying to avoid paying a large amount of tax. Detective Byington then spoke to DeLeon. DeLeon referenced his prior conviction and admitted he had obtained the cash as payment for his part in a drug ripoff. I have a bunch of money that I have no way to spend, and if I bring it here, I'm going to get in trouble, so I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place. According to DeLeon, he had handed Tom Hawks a briefcase full of cash. He hadn't been involved in any crime since then, and he had brought the boat as a way to provide for his family legally by operating a diving and fishing business. The De Leons provided investigators with notarized documents naming Skyler as power of attorney over Tom and Jackie's bank accounts. They were witnessed by a man named Alonzo Machane and noted by a woman named Kathleen Harris. De Leon explained that the Hawks had asked him to help them purchase property in Mexico because he had dual citizenship. He agreed, so they gave him power of attorney to be able to set up a bank account for them across the border. The circumstances surrounding the Hawks' disappearance were concerning, and on December 9th, Newport Beach Police Sergeant Steve Shulman said, We are more suspicious about their whereabouts than we were before. The family still has not heard from the Hawks, so our investigation is stepped up to the extent that we're not stopping following up on leads that we have. Media appeals were made for people in California, Arizona, and Mexico to keep an eye out for the Hawks' Honda CRV. The couple's son, Ryan Hawks, spoke with KCAL at the time. I feel drained. It's hard to focus in life and concentrate on other aspects. They are 28 years of my life and another 28 to come, and I want those 28 years back, 
and I want the future 28 years. Along with the rest of my friends and family, we're really concerned. The media appeals eventually paid off, and on December 15th, someone called to say they had spotted the Hawks' car in Ensenada, Mexico. The vehicle had been parked outside a property, and the homeowner told investigators they had been given the car by Skylar de Leon. That same day, de Leon applied for early release from his probation so he could work outside the U.S., Fearing that de Leon was trying to flee, the detectives applied for a warrant for his arrest. On December 17th, detectives went to de Leon's residence, a converted garage in his in-law's house, and arrested him for money laundering. The money laundering charge stemmed from his confession that he had used drug money to purchase the yacht. Detectives determined that the man seen buying the bleach and trash bags in Target was Jennifer's father, Steve Henderson. A search of the property was conducted. Detectives recovered Jackie Hawk's laptop, documents belonging to the couple, a video recorder they had used to document their trips, and items the Hawks had left on board the well-deserved. They also discovered an application for a $15,000 gender reassignment surgery that had been filled in by Skylar de Leon. The de Leons were over $100,000 in debt, and there was no way Skylar could afford the surgery on Jennifer's salary. Skylar de Leon and his wife maintained that they had nothing to do with the Hawks' disappearance, so the investigators turned their attention to other potential witnesses. Alonzo Machane was a 21-year-old man who had been an employee at the Seal Beach Work Furlough Jail, where de Leon was housed during his sentence for armed burglary in 2003. Machane and de Leon had become friends and continued their friendship after de Leon's release. Initially, Machane corroborated de Leon's story that he had been present when the documents were signed. But after months of suspicion, he eventually confessed to having a much bigger role in De Leon's master plan. The plan was is that we were supposed to basically kidnap them and take them out to sea and toss them overboard. On March 1st, 2005, Machane told detectives that De Leon had approached him with the promise of a few million dollars in October of 2004. Machane had been under the impression that De Leon was a special forces trained hitman and former child actor. De Leon told him he would pass himself off as a buyer for the yacht and kill the owners. Over the next two weeks, Machane and De Leon set the plan in motion and began preparing by buying handcuffs and stun guns. Machane was present when De Leon first went out to the well-deserved with the Hawks, and he explained that De Leon decided to introduce them to Jennifer and their daughter to make the ploy more convincing. He also knew that he could not overpower Tom Hawks alone, as the former firefighter had competed in amateur bodybuilding competitions well into his 50s. De Leon enlisted the help of his friend, Myron Gardner, to find him someone big enough to subdue someone of Tom's stature. Gardner recommended a man called John Fitzgerald Kennedy, 
a former gang member with over 20 convictions for crimes ranging from theft to attempted murder. Kennedy was an imposing figure, but his role was to pretend to be DeLeon's accountant. On November 15, 2004, the day of the final sea trial before the Hawks believed DeLeon would buy their yacht, DeLeon, Machane, and Kennedy arrived at the Newport Beach Harbor. Tom Hawks brought them to the well-deserved on his dinghy, and they climbed aboard. The well-deserved left the harbor and traveled out into the vast open expanse of water. DeLeon would remain in phone contact with Jennifer throughout the day. Tom loaned DeLeon a wetsuit so he could examine the bottom of the hull when they were out in open water, and afterward, he went inside to change. Kennedy was already downstairs after feigning seasickness, and Tom followed DeLeon down to where he was. Within minutes, Kennedy and DeLeon attacked Tom and held him on the ground. Jackie heard the commotion and ran down to see her husband bleeding from the nose. Machane managed to handcuff Jackie after failed attempts at tasering her, and once the Hawks were handcuffed, they were placed on the bed and had duct tape wrapped around their mouths and eyes. I wasn't paying attention. I was just talking to her, and and she kind of rushes towards me and kind of leans over to see what was going on at the bottom. And she's, she's screaming, oh, what's going on? And that's when they were actually... Um, holding him down, then that's when I realized that I had to, you know, hold her. I was able to uh, cuff Mrs. Mrs. Hawk at this time. I, I walked her down to the bedroom area where Skylar told me to go get some tape from the engine room, got some duct tape. He got the tape and he told me to tape, tape their eyes, tape their mouth. And at this point, Skyler went up and programmed the GPS system to go out. And he has me basically babysitting. They're on the bed. They're laying on the bed. And they're handcuffed? They're handcuffed, yes. And tape over their mouths? Yeah. And their eyes? Yes. De Leon set the yacht to sail further out to sea and eventually led them upstairs before forcing them to sign the power of attorney form and place their thumbprints on the document. After complying with De Leon following his promise that they would be released, the Hawks were brought back downstairs. Jackie issued a plea to De Leon and asked him, Skylar, why are you doing this? We trusted you. You brought your wife and your kids. You had them here. How can you do this? We trusted you. Tom held Jackie's hand and told her to stay calm, but she pleaded with her captors to let them go. She just wanted to see their grandson one last time. The couple were brought up to the deck and led to the back of the yacht. Just got some rope, brought up to the back, tied them together. They didn't know what was going on, and then... Mr. Hawk was able to uh, lift his legs somehow, and he tossed Skyler off his feet and knocked him on his butt. By kicking him? Yeah. And right behind him, the black guy just takes a big swing at his, at his side of his head, and just I'm pretty sure he knocked him out. 
I didn't believe what I was looking at. He just pushed them. Where was the anchor at this moment before they were pushed? Right before um, Skyler was holding him. Did he? What did he, he, he tossed it over. At the same time they were being pushed? or uh, At the same time. Still handcuffed, the couple were tied together with Jackie's back against Tom's chest. Tom made one final attempt to fight back and kicked out blindly, hitting De Leon and knocking him over. Kennedy then punched Tom in the head, almost knocking him unconscious, but Jackie kept them both standing. De Leon tied an anchor to the couple before tossing it overboard. The rope that bound Jackie and Tom together pulled tightly, dragging them onto the deck. As the anchor sank, they were pulled toward an open hatch, and Jackie's head crashed into the door before they were pushed off the yacht and dragged to the ocean floor. The yacht was 55 miles out from shore, and the water was almost 4,000 feet deep. Machane told the detectives that De Leon threw many of the couple's belongings overboard and instructed him and Kennedy to wipe down any surfaces they had touched. De Leon did not know how to sail the yacht, so he used the autopilot to direct it back to Newport Beach. Machane said that Kennedy drank a beer and used Tom's fishing rod on the way back to the harbor. Tyler acted maybe while this was happening. He was, he was calm. This is while they were being bound, bound and tossed overboard. He yeah, calm. he was calm. He was like it was the the most normal thing. According to Machane, De Leon later paid a notary to backdate the power of attorney documents. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. On Friday, March 4th, 2005, De Leon, Machane, and Myron Gardner were all brought to court to face charges in relation to the Hawks' murder. De Leon, who was already in jail after being charged with grand theft following non-payment for work on another boat he owned, was charged with two counts of murder. Alonzo Machane was charged with two counts of being an accessory to commit murder for his role. Myron Gardner was charged with conspiring to commit murder by recruiting Kennedy to help De Leon kill the couple. Kennedy was arrested and charged with murder soon afterwards. A fifth arrest was to follow, as investigators believe that Jennifer played a large part in the murder scheme. She had used being a pregnant mother with a toddler to deliberately mislead the Hawks into trusting her husband. She had told detectives they planned to rename the yacht Pure Luck. Jennifer was arrested during a visit to De Leon in the Orange County Jail. She was also charged with two counts of murder. Jennifer's parents had custody of their 18-month-old and 7-week-old daughters. 
While it seemed as though the detectives had built a strong case against the five defendants charged in relation to the Hawks' murder, the investigation uncovered a link to an unsolved homicide that had occurred in Mexico in late 2003. When detectives searched the garage where De Leon had been living prior to his arrest, they found a business card belonging to an LAPD Interpol liaison officer named Jose Bahena. The officer told the Newport Beach detectives that they were investigating the murder of a man named John Peter Jarvie, and De Leon was their prime suspect. John had been on the furlough work program at Seal Beach Jail with De Leon in late 2003. John had been serving a four-month sentence for counterfeiting when he met De Leon. John was released in December 2003, and, just after Christmas, John and his mother Betty refinanced a condominium they had in escrow and got a check for $50,000. John cashed the check the same day. Investigators learned that Skylar De Leon was seen with a lot of cash that afternoon. He was out on work furlough as part of his sentence. He deposited $22,000 into his bank account, spent $17,000 in cash to have a boat repaired, and spent $2,100 on a diamond ring for Jennifer. John Jarvie was found with his throat slashed on the side of the road in Ensenada, Mexico. Detectives believed De Leon had tricked John into believing he was getting him into some investment deal in Mexico, getting John to hand over $50,000 in cash before he killed him. John's van had a tracking device installed in it after he had obtained a loan on it earlier in the month. The tracker allowed the loan company to repossess the van if John fell behind on his payments. But after his murder, it was a good investigative tool as it proved that the van had been parked outside the De Leon home in January 2004. After investigators received information from De Leon's cousin, Michael Lewis, concerning John Jarvie's murder, De Leon was charged with the crime in August 2005. Jennifer was charged with being an accessory after the fact. Before any of the trials began, De Leon was charged with soliciting the murder of his cousin, Michael Lewis, in July 2006, and soliciting the murder of his own father, John Jacobson Sr., in January 2005. Both were due to testify in the murder trials. In September 2006, the Orange County District Attorney's Office announced they would be seeking the death penalty against both Skylar De Leon and John Fitzgerald Kennedy for their role in the murder of Tom and Jackie Hawks. Jennifer de Leon was the first to be brought to trial in November of that year. She was charged with two counts of murder for financial gain, which could have meant she was facing life without parole. The prosecution argued that Jennifer had conspired with her husband to kill the Hawks for their yacht and their money. Prosecutor Matt Murphy told the court Jennifer had used her daughter and her pregnancy. He said, she knowingly helped her husband dupe these people and helped them lower their guard. Jennifer knew that De Leon was a convicted felon and was being investigated for John Jarvie's murder. She also inquired about purchasing a $2 million property despite knowing she and her husband were almost $100,000 in debt. 
Jennifer's attorney had argued that she was an unwilling pawn who had been manipulated by De Leon. The prosecutor argued that she had played a much more significant part than that. He told the jury, What could have made someone like Tom go out to sea with Skyler, Alonzo, Machane, John Fitzgerald Kennedy? The answer is Jennifer. After four and a half hours, the jury found Jennifer guilty of two counts of murder for financial gain. In October 2007, Jennifer was sentenced to two life terms without the possibility of parole. She also divorced Skylar de Leon and began going by her maiden name, Henderson. Skylar de Leon's trial began the following year. A superior court judge had decided to consolidate both the Hawks' murder and John Jarvie's murder into a single trial. When the trial began, Deputy DA Matt Murphy outlined the case against de Leon for the jury. He told the court that de Leon was known for conning people into giving him money. When he met John Jarvie in prison in 2003, he convinced John to hand over $50,000 on the promise that it would be invested and returned to him tenfold. Instead, de Leon left the prison on what was supposed to be a work furlough and took John Jarvie to a rural road in Mexico, where he slit his throat and left him to bleed out before driving back across the border and returning to the prison. Less than a year later, de Leon had a new scheme in mind and enlisted his wife, his prison guard friend Alonzo Machane, and a gang member to assist him in committing a double murder. De Leon spoke to his scuba instructor, Adam Rorig, and asked him if he would be willing to drive a boat while de Leon got rid of two people. Rorig had asked de Leon how he would get away with it, and de Leon responded by saying, No body, no crime. Rorig refused to participate, so de Leon approached Alonzo Machane, a young prison guard he had befriended while in Seal Beach Prison. De Leon and Machane met the Hawks on November 6th, five days after de Leon expressed interest in buying the well-deserved. Three days later, de Leon and Jennifer met the Hawks in order to make the Hawks more comfortable and to make the de Leon seem more trustworthy. On November 14th, de Leon printed power of attorney documents on his home computer. The following day, de Leon, Machane, and Kennedy went to meet the Hawks again under the guise of taking the well-deserved on a sea trial. During the hours that followed, Tom and Jackie Hawks were subdued, restrained, and forced to sign and thumbprint the power of attorney documents. Afterward, Tom and Jackie were tied together and tethered to an anchor. The anchor was thrown overboard, and the weight of it pulled them off the yacht within seconds. Their bodies were never recovered. As de Leon put a new destination in the GPS, he and the others threw sentimental items belonging to the Hawks overboard. One day after the yacht returned to Newport, Jennifer asked her father to purchase bleach and trash bags at Target and help her and de Leon clean the new yacht. On November 22nd, de Leon met with notary Kathleen Harris at a hotel in Long Beach. Ms. Harris had been told by de Leon's scuba instructor, Rorig, that de Leon was dangerous, so she felt compelled to notarize and backdate the documents. 
The next day, DeLeon and Jennifer attempted to access the Hawks Bank account in Arizona, but the bank manager told them she wanted to verify the Hawks signatures on the power of attorney documents before allowing them to withdraw any money. Three days later, on November 26, 2004, DeLeon and Jennifer drove the Hawks Honda CRV to Ensenada, Mexico, leaving it with one of DeLeon's friends. In the weeks and months that followed, DeLeon lied to investigators about his involvement in the Hawks' murders and maintained that he had purchased their yacht. They had willingly signed a durable power of attorney. The prosecutor argued that the sole motivation was to gain control over the Hawks' assets and finances. The trial had been expected to last months, but during the defense's opening statement, DeLeon's attorney, Gary Polson, told the jury that DeLeon was guilty of all three murders, and their only goal was to save DeLeon's life. DeLeon's cousin, Michael Lewis, testified that he had met with DeLeon on the day he brought John Jarvie to Mexico. Lewis was asked by DeLeon to follow him and John in DeLeon's van. When they got to Ensenada, DeLeon turned down some back roads, and when DeLeon pulled over, Lewis saw him leading a blindfolded John into the shrubs and trees on the side of the road. Lewis claimed that he had been too afraid to come forward and tell the police what had happened, and DeLeon and Jennifer had pressured him to lie if the police asked questions. Lewis said, He killed in Mexico. He killed at sea. What's to stop him from coming into my little town and killing me and my family? Alonzo Machane was the state's star witness. He detailed De Leon's plans and the Hawks' final moments aboard the well-deserved. The notary who backdated the power of attorney documents Jackie and Tom Hawks had been forced to sign testified that she had been terrified to tell the police anything after she was told that De Leon had killed people. Kathleen Harris said, I wanted to tell the truth, but I was scared for my life. I was going to do whatever I had to do for me and my family not to be killed. On October 20th, 2008, Skylar DeLeon was found guilty of all three murders. The trial then moved into the punishment phase, when the jury had to decide whether DeLeon deserved the death penalty. Members of the victims' families testified. John Jarvie's mother, Betty, told the court that life was lonely without her youngest son, who used to visit her numerous times a week and take her out to dinner. Jackie Hawk's mother, Gail, who had become friends with John's mother, Betty, and stayed with her throughout the penalty phase, told the court, It's something you never get used to. I think of them when I wake up, and I think of them when I go to bed. It's not getting better over time. I thought it would, but it hasn't. Ryan Hawks told the penalty phase jurors that his father was his best friend, and he missed his dad and stepmom every day. Footage of Tom and Jackie on board the well-deserved was played for the court. Then, the jury heard about DeLeon's background. Skyler was born John Julius Jacobson Jr. to parents Lynette Burchette and John Julius Jacobson Sr. in August 1979. 
Lynette struggled with addiction, and she was regularly abused by her husband. When she left, little Johnny, as Skylar was then known, became the target of his father's relentless abuse. DeLeon's attorney told the jurors at the penalty phase that DeLeon had been subjected to beatings, sexual molestation, and ridicule at the hands of his father, who died in 2007. DeLeon's sister, Stephanie, testified. My dad was an awful person. He had to control everything. If things didn't go his way, he would make things miserable for everyone. It had been DeLeon's father who pushed him into acting as a teenager. Still, despite DeLeon's claim to fame, he only ever had a non-speaking role as an extra on the Power Rangers. DeLeon embellished every story he told, including the ones about his time in the Marines. DeLeon was dishonorably discharged after 14 months in the Marines when he went AWOL. Defense psychologist Dr. Mark Cunningham testified that DeLeon was predisposed to violence and criminality as a result of his traumatic childhood and bad parents. DeLeon's attorney told the jury that his client's upbringing was as bad as it gets. Mr. Polson told the jury, Skyler was not born a murderer. He was turned into one. I am not asking you to be merciful. I am not asking you to be lenient. He is going to die in prison. Please don't give him the death penalty. The prosecutor, Matt Murphy, told the jury, You will never see murders that are more diabolical, more heartless than these. You will never see worse. Murphy believed that DeLeon's childhood did not mean he could not distinguish right from wrong, and he chose to kill three people for money, Murphy said. Now he's trying to use a bad dad as an excuse. The prosecutor told jurors that there was only one verdict that should be returned, the death penalty. After 10 hours of deliberations across two days, the jury returned with a verdict. On November 7, 2008, they recommended that Skylar DeLeon be sentenced to death for the murders of Tom Hawks, Jackie Hawks, and John Peter Jarvie. DeLeon was to return for sentencing the following year. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the man DeLeon had allegedly hired to help him kill the Hawks, was brought to trial in January 2009. Kennedy had testified in his own defense and claimed he had never even met DeLeon or the Hawks, but Alonzo Machane's testimony placed him at the scene. A month later, the jury found Kennedy guilty of two counts of murder for financial gain. Arguing to spare Kennedy's life, the jury heard that Kennedy's church had raised money for his defense, and his pastor testified that he believed Kennedy was innocent. Kennedy's daughter, Sharika, who was raising her own family while attending college full-time, spoke about how her father had always been there for her and ensured she did not get involved in the same lifestyle that he did. On February 28, 2009, the jury recommended the death penalty for Kennedy's role in the murders. Ryan Hawks spoke outside of court and said, Today gave us justice. We didn't win. My parents are still dead. But today gave us justice. 
Two months later, on April 10, 2009, Skylar DeLeon was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Judge Frank Faisal spoke before passing sentence and said, The mental anguish and torment these three people must have experienced while bound and in anticipation of their fate warrants death instead of life without parole. John F. Kennedy was sentenced to death in May of 2009. One month later, Alonzo Machane, who had pleaded guilty to two counts of manslaughter, kidnapping, and robbery, was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Myron Gardner, who had introduced De Leon to Kennedy, was released on time served after pleading guilty to being an accessory after the fact. Jennifer divorced De Leon and has filed two unsuccessful appeals since she was sentenced to life without parole. Skylar De Leon had wanted money not only out of greed, but because they wanted gender reassignment surgery. In March 2008, before the trial began, De Leon used a razor blade and attempted to sever their own penis. An Orange County Sheriff's Department spokesperson said at the time, There was a lot of blood, but from what I understand, he was not able to complete the job. He was taken to the hospital and had it sewn back on. He's fine, I guess, as fine as can be expected for someone who tries to do something like this to himself. Skylar de Leon officially transitioned to female while on death row. This episode was researched and written by Eileen McFarlane. Editing and scoring by Corey Hiltman. Script editing, additional writing, and production direction by Rosanna and Benjamin Fitton. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law & Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. This has been They Walk Among America. Thank you for listening, and please be safe.